0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every month, pick a different theme to explore the world of cinema. And this month, we're talking about Humphrey Bogart, and this week, we're talking about
1: The African Queen. I'm Dean. I am Troy McClure.
0: And uh, welcome to the Film Club.
1: So, I know this is a movie you haven't seen before.
0: Uh, I have not. I've heard of it before. As, you know, Humphrey Bogart, this is his Oscar win, but...
1: His only Oscar win.
0: Exactly. I, I've never seen it before. I had no idea what it was about. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I assumed looking at the cover, it was like an Indiana Jones like adventure film or like a Romancing the Stone kind of deal. Yeah. And it's the Jungle Cruise.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oddly enough, it's the Jungle Cruise before the Jungle Cruise.
0: Yeah. Uh, but it's it's just really interesting because this is... A John Huston mm-hmm. and Humphrey Bogart picture. It's also Catherine Hepburn. And and it's also a movie that doesn't really feel so much of its time. Yeah. I mean, it, it's still like a classic Hollywood movie. It's just how it looks. The fact that it's actually set on location and it's not a studio. It, it has a different vibe to it.
1: A different vibe, but it's also really beautiful in the fact that it's real, it's actual nature and location, mm-hmm. versus, you know, someone setting a stage and, you know, yeah, it's pretty and it's captivating, but I mean, being out there, you know, on location and everything is real, it just makes, you know, the difference.
0: Yeah, and um I guess, do you want to tell everyone what the movie's about?
1: Well, I see <laughs> you have the back of the box there, so I think you should do it.
0: I do. This is from the back of the box of the African Queen, VHS edition. <clears throat> Starring Academy Award winners Humphrey Bogart and Katherine Hepburn, the African Queen tells the timeless tale of two mismatched strangers joining forces in a common cause and finding love along the way. The story chronicles the burgeoning romance between Bogie's river rat, Charlie Alnut, and Hepburn's missionary, Rose Sayer, as they... Reluctantly joined forces to torpedo a German gunboat in war-torn East Africa. I totally didn't mess that up. Reading nah, that, you did okay. Also, it says here, you know, back of the box, this Mitch, this mismatched couple, mm-hmm. and that was—that's the first thing I want to get out of the way. Okay. All right. So Bogart and Hepburn, they have good on-screen chemistry. Yeah, they do. As a comedy duo, or mm-hmm. as like an like an acting pair. I do not get romantic vibes from them, really.
1: Well, I mean, it's also the early 50s, so they can't really divulge too much into the romance aspect because there was a problem with the censoring where, you know, they weren't a married couple, but here they are alone on a ship.
0: It's heavily implied they're getting it on when it fades to black.
1: Yeah, so it was a thing where it's like, yeah, we can't show too much of them falling in love. It has to be really brief. Like with the kiss. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's when, you know, the the music changes and you get the looks from both of them where it's like, you know, I'm seeing you a lot differently than I just previously saw you like five minutes ago. Yeah. So I think censoring was kind of an issue to that where we couldn't really see them be more of a romantic pairing.
0: Well, not as affectionate. Like, I understand them not being able to show like i guess a sexual nature to their relationship well th-
1: that's also a reason obvious. that's also a reason why we have the marriage at the end of the movie because the censoring board was like you know what we can make all of this okay if they get married at the end of the movie
0: that is like a total cop out at yeah. the end by the way i think the ending is don't get me wrong fun as hell it's yeah. really wild but it don't make a lot of sense
1: it doesn't but it's like, funny it,
0: it's yeah it's definitely it's the um punchline to the bit that the whole yeah. movie's been playing but them as a romantic pairing, and I never got convinced that they were madly in love with each other. No. I felt more like they were two people who were kind of um, very happy to be around each other, mm-hmm. very content with each other. It was more like, oh, I now found my best friend, not I found the love of my life yeah. kind of thing. And and also, it's it's kind of weird seeing Bogart and Hepburn at this stage of their career? Bogart cuz he's like 52 mm-hmm. when this is happening and Hepburn's like 43, yeah. I believe. And I thought it was really interesting cuz if this movie was made now then
1: like The Jungle Book? Like
0: or you mean The Jungle Cruise with the Or Rock? sorry.
1: Yeah, The Jungle Cruise, yeah.
0: Yeah, or or do you mean The Jungle Book with uh um CGI? Bill Murray? Yeah. Well, because that's the thing. If this was made now, yeah, yeah, you have, like, The Rock, and mm-hmm. then it would be, like, an actress of... Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. And it's, like, you wouldn't have people who like this where you can tell Bogart's an older guy in this. Mm-hmm. Like, he is definitely, if not 50, like, in his mid-40s. Catherine Hepburn, she looks like a woman of, like, a distinguished woman. She's, mm-hmm. like, an older lady. And I like that about this because yeah. it does feel like, oh, they didn't have... Bogart playing opposite um, Elizabeth Taylor or, like, somebody who's, like, 26 yeah. to his, like, 50-something. I like that there's that, and it also adds a little more weight to their interactions because I love Katherine Heppard in this. Oh, she, she's
1: hysterical.
0: She does not give a shit about him mm-hmm. or his bullshit. Oh, yeah. She, she likes him, but, no, she's there to get shit done. She is the Sigma male grind set.
1: Exactly. And that's what he needed because, you know, prior to that, it was just... I deliver the mail, I drink my gin, and I smoke my cigars down the river. And then she's like, Pretty no. Pretty good
0: life, by the way. Pretty solid life. <sighs> he was getting fanned. He was hanging out with the locals. Mm. He was having his sweet cigar. It was a good time. Walking around with a bunch of explosives in his boat.
1: Yeah, and then you have Katherine Hepper's like, no, we got to get to safety. Let's do this. And I will steer the ship if I have to. This woman knew what was up.
0: Well, yeah, and also the whole story is predicated on her basically having a revenge story. Yeah. You know, her... Uh, I I guess we do kind of have to talk about, like, the elephant in the room about the movie.
1: That the director wanted to shoot an elephant on location, and Catherine Hepburn was really like, no, I'm not going to let that
0: happen. Well, yes, John Huston uh, is, is a madman. Great director, but a madman. Yeah,
1: I was kind of surprised, because I never looked into who directed the movie and then seeing all the other movies he directed I was just like Treasure of Sierra Madre, Maltese Falcon, Key Largo, Asphalt Jungle. I was just like, wow, he did a lot of Bogart movies but also a lot of big movies.
0: But um so but yeah, The African Queen, John Huston, um The Elephant in the Room is he wanted to film on location. Yeah. And the opening of the movie has like a lot of connotations to it mm-hmm. because the whole Which is interesting, because if you do read, like, a layer under it, it's John Huston making fun of the white people coming to be missionaries in this... uh, It's it's supposed to be, like, East Africa, but I think it's actually shot in, like, Uganda or, like, the the Congo. Yeah. And it's really funny, because it's opening, and we're seeing, like, actual, like, people native to the region Mm -hmm. with, like, tribal scarring, tattoos, and Mm -hmm. things like that, and... I can understand why people would probably watch the first 5 minutes of this movie and think I am in for not what this movie actually is because the movie starts with that and it's obviously showing that no these people are very respectful of the indigenous people mm-hmm. of the of the region and the whole point of this scene is to show that, oh, the the white people who came in to spread the, the missionary, the god stuff. The gospel. Are incompetent morons, to yeah. say the least. Yeah. And I mean,
1: that brother was just fucking creepy.
0: Oh, he was hilarious. You thought he was creepy?
1: He was creepy. There was something about him that just gave me, like, ooh, you're creepy. Well,
0: <sighs> I thought he was funny because he has a line later on where he's like, once I failed out of the this and the that, and also the this and the that. And also the, the, that, the other thing, Mm -hmm. then I became a missionary. Yeah. It's like, oh, the only people the church could find to send here were failures of failures of failures. And it's like, and it's kind of funny to me. Yeah. But the, um, the elephant about it is we get the scene where the Germans come in. Yeah. And they they, light everything up. Yeah. They burn the village and they destroy everything. And it's very reminiscent of things that actually happened Mm -hmm. in the region. And it's like, that's kind of rough. Yeah. And it's not really brought up again, but what happens there is Catherine Hepburn's brother, named in the movie, Brother.
1: But I don't think, you know, Brother is as good as one of my favorite characters from a movie that I really couldn't stand that we did last year. Ah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, the character that is near and dear to my heart. I am not hurt.
0: Ah, yes. We really should keep up with that bit of finding the background actors who are oh, absolutely one name or their character name is a line from the movie. Because I love those little IMDb credits. Me too. But Brother dies and Rose, Catherine Hepburn's character, is now on a revenge quest yeah. to take down the Germans who have basically come in and destroyed the region mm-hmm. and ruined her... What she said is, you know, I have found God, and it is in this country. Like yeah. her, her version of Eden or heaven. Yeah,
1: because I mean, even um, Bogey's character in the movie, he calls it a, a God-forsaken place, and she's like, it's not a God-forsaken place. You know, we just have the Germans that are here that are, you know, basically tearing the country apart because they wanted to take over everything during that time period.
0: Yeah, and and we should also mention these aren't um these aren't Nazi Germans; these are World War One Germans. Yeah. Uh, yeah cuz
1: it's interesting you know he's telling a uh, brother in the movie that war has broken out because this is the early 30s n-
0: Well no the it's taking place in like the teens when the oh, movie's taking the place Yeah it's like 1914
1: okay. That's right the book came out in the 30s But you know he's telling the brother yeah you know war's broken out and he's like well with who and he's like well Germany England Austria
0: Kind of like everyone over Italy. there. He's
1: just, you know, basically naming all the, the countries in Europe. And it's just, yeah, you know, the the world is basically on fire and they have no idea.
0: Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where, you know, I said elephant in the room because yeah. the opening of the movie has a lot of, like, connotations to mm-hmm. it, and it. And it's a thing where somebody who's not, like, familiar with it would look at it and say, oh, this is going to be one of those, like, racist Golden Age movies, which, you know. There's a lot of them. There's a yeah. lot of movies that are yeah, just are. do not fly anymore. Yeah. But John Houston was a really like worldly kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He liked traveling. He was like actually one of these guys who was like a an Indiana Jones type that just globe-trotted. Uh,
1: he loved to hunt. And yeah. that part of his, you know, okay, we're gonna go here and we're gonna film on location is so that I can actually do some, you know, hunting.
0: And because John Houston was this like really worldly guy, he knew that the butt of the joke is not the indigenous people. This is their their world. The butt of the joke are the invading white people mm-hmm. who just don't understand the the climate, the the tr- mm-hmm. like the the anything.
1: But they're gonna come in and tell you, no, this is how you should be living. When people have been living in their own places for you know thousands of years, surviving, getting things done, but we're gonna tell you how to do it a different way.
0: Yeah, and I think that's um, that's like a thing he's doing mm-hmm. in the beginning of the movie to yeah. you know so. If you get past the first 20 minutes of the movie, it's not the same for the rest. Because the rest of the movie is also so weird. Because it's just them on the boat.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since I've watched the movie in its entirety. And that's pretty much all I had remembered from it, is just the two of them. Mm -hmm. Which is pretty good, you know, for having this big feature film. And it's just these two characters stuck on a boat with each other. So it's like, I forgot, you know, all the lead up. I forgot the brother. And it's interesting to see just how they kind of get together and how things change differently, how they kind of, you know, start to open up more to each other.
0: Yeah. like
1: Because I mean, they're really selling that, you know, she is very straight laced and, you know, I'm about God and about doing things a certain way. And he's just, you know, carefree living my life on my boat. And it's, you know, her pouring his booze over the side. And he's kind of like, well, it's, you know, after I sober up, it's kind of nice to have a lady on here that I could clean up for, and you know, be more polite and be more human for.
0: Yeah, that didn't that didn't play for me this, again
1: because you want to be on the boat drinking, n- no, smoking. No,
0: because here's the thing: in ninety nine percent of movies with this story, mm-hmm. they start out disliking each other and grow to respect each other, and then yeah. grow to love each other. Yeah, this starts out with them both. For the most part, enjoying each other's company and liking each other, and it's like there's no stake to their relationship. Yeah. Because, you know, it starts off with them being like, well, we have this goal to go down the river, and we both obviously know we're going to fall in love with each other by the end, because we basically get along as friends already. And it's a movie. And it's a movie, so, it's like, there's not really a lot of conflicts between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Like, Catherine Hepburn is obviously, like, in charge from the get-go. Yeah. She's the one driving the action. She's the one, you know, calling all the shots. Like, Bogart's only here, um, Mr. Allnut. Yes. Is really only here to facilitate her revenge story. Which works, but it also makes me feel like Humphrey Bogart is so... I don't know, like, underutilized as an actor in this movie. Don't get me wrong, he's playing great, like, his, his role as a comedy bit, but it, it doesn't feel like he has a lot of dramatic lead going on right here. It's more like, oh, he's playing the support to Catherine Hepburn.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's also a different light that we're seeing in Bogarton, because we usually see him as serious, noir, you know, the, uh, I'm brooding in the corner, and this movie, he's a lot lighter, and he's cracking jokes, and... You know, yeah, he's serious about the boat stuff, but he's just kind of a different person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he received the Oscar for this, because he was so different than his other characters that he's portrayed over the years.
0: Oh, we're getting into this talk already. Okay, so <clears throat> for those who don't know, The African Queen, it is the film that Humphrey Bogart won his Oscar mm-hmm. for. Humphrey Bogart, who was in The Maltese Falcon, Tres Sierra Madre, Casablanca.
1: Key Largo. Key
0: Largo. Long list of great movies where he gave great performances. And you would be thinking, well, okay, you know, he won his Oscar. Why is that important? What else came out this year? What was he competing against? Why don't you tell us? It's a streetcar named Desire. He was against Marlon fucking Brando Oof. in a streetcar named Desire for- and,
1: and this was hot Marlon Brando.
0: This was this was prime Marlon Brando. Oof. This was Marlon Brando innovating acting at a level they had not seen before in America. This was first method acting. Every This is a great thing I found out. Apparently everyone thought Brando had it on lock. Mm-hmm. And Bogart was like- Eh, you know, like, eh, I gave a good performance. But that brand, though, kid, he kind of got me. You know, it it Mm -hmm. happens. I'll win uh, one next year, right? Yeah. But Bogart won. And it's, a lot of people look at this as what the Academy did a lot in, like, the 50s and into the 60s. Where they were kind of saying, hey, thanks for being a box office star for your career. But you never got an Oscar, so here's your Oscar. Because they did this with, like, John Wayne for True Grit. Mm -hmm. When he should have won for, like... The searchers or like stagecoach stage or something like that. So that's what a lot of people feel like. Like Bogart won this as hey, you've been like the Hollywood leading man for like a generation. You are an icon of icons. And we don't really want to give Brando credit, so here you go. Do you do you <sighs> think that tracks like this is not his best performance?
1: I can't say it's not his best performance. It's a different performance, mm-hmm. so I think maybe that's why the cat, the academy was kind of like leaning. Like you know, this isn't the usual uh, not Brando, a Bogart that we get. <laughs> where see,
0: Brando's acting was so good, he encapsulated you right there. Well,
1: it's also two bees, so yeah, Brando Bogart, you know,
0: the, the queen bees of Hollywood.
1: Yes, so it's the thing where I think maybe the academy was like, this is so out of the norm for him. And the movie's really good. Maybe we're going to lean with that. But, I mean, it's it's got to be a tough decision because e- Streetcar and this movie are such good movies in their own respect that it's kind of hard to just, like, well, who they're, do I give it to?
0: They're also completely different. Yeah. Like, this one is, like, a love story of two people coming together, and Streetcar Named Desire is of a toxic relationship. relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, like, really... Interesting to see these two come out at the exact same time, yeah, and see how one is signaling a new generation of Mm. Hollywood and cinema, and the other one is like the swan song, yeah, of the old Hollywood cinema. And it's just interesting because I think like Humphrey Bogart's actually a really good actor, yeah, you know, like a lot of like older actors of this generation, you watch him now and you're like, they're not. Actually, like good actors, they're charismatic. They're fun to watch, but they're not good actors. Bogart's an actually good actor. Yeah, it's just it's kind of weird to see him in this role. And the only thing I feel is he got it as a like a lifetime achievement Oscar more than a you had the best performance of the year Oscar.
1: I mean, he could have, but I have a feeling it was more. This is just out of his character.
0: He just played so against type; they had Mm -hmm. to give it to him. Yeah,
1: that you know, it's like you're a phenomenal actor. You're doing something different than the noir that you kind of are gravitated and pulled towards. So it's just kind of like, I think we give it to him. He he finally, you know, really knocked it out of the park that we can, you know, give him the Academy Award for. Mm. I mean, both great movies.
0: Oh, yeah. Really if, great movies. I would love to talk about Streetcar Named Desire. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm sure we'll do that or we'll do a Brando month so we could really dive into Marlon Brando. Yeah. Because another versatile actor just... So much.
0: I believe I have called him an acting god on multiple occasions. Yeah. Or used him as a comparison of, I mean, this guy's good, but he ain't no fucking Brando. Like, yeah. I think I've used that phrase a lot.
1: I mean, our anniversary is on Brando's birthday, so...
0: Really weird?
1: I yeah. didn't plan you know,
0: that at all? No,
1: it's just... Brando's very tied into our <laughs> lives. It's weird, but it's just something that we've accepted.
0: But, uh, the African Queen.
1: You know... Another interesting point of this movie for Bogart and Katherine Hepburn was this was their first movie in Cutler,
0: which I guess that makes God that that really does kind of remind me that they started so fucking long yeah. ago, because like they both of them started acting in like the thirties, mm-hmm. right? I think so. Because I know I know Katherine Hepburn wasn't bringing up Baby with Cary Grant that was in the thirties, so she the had
1: Philadelphia Story,
0: yeah, and like Bogart he definitely worked in the thirties. So it's just kind of weird to think that this is their first Technicolor movie. Yeah. And on... also, that must be horrible to film in Technicolor, on location, in the Congo, because I like we don't get this now, but Technicolor film cameras of this era were giant behemoths machines to lug around
1: yeah there's a thing where um, I know Catherine Hepburn wrote a book about the experience of making the African Queen so I'm not sure if this is from the book or it's from other interviews where she was just talking about how much manpower it took to either drive the machinery out to location or all the other boats they had to put the cameras the lenses all the equipment on because they couldn't put it on the African Queen because it would have sunk the boat because it was actually a real boat so it's just, you know, it's and not...
0: also, they still sunk it twice during filming. Oh, yeah.
1: They, they sunk it, but I mean, you know, having all these heavy cameras of that time, it's not like now where we can, you, you know, do helicopter- You can film a
0: movie on your phone. On
1: your phone, but you could have helicopters, drones, you could have um, cameras built into the boats or whatever you're filming on. But I mean, this movie was just a feat because it's just so many different things going on on location.
0: And I think that's why this movie is so remembered by film historian people and people who look back on, like, classic Hollywood. Um, Because this, I don't think, is the best Bogart. I don't think this is the best Hepburn. But it is so fascinating because it is one of the first Hollywood movies to be shot on location outside of America in this kind of scale. Because the movie looks Expensive,
1: yeah, and I mean the movie, you know, being in Technicolor really helps because you want to see the country of Africa in color, and it's just or the continent, the, the the continent. Sorry, but you know, you're just seeing, you know, like when they fall in love, and when the world looks just more beautiful mm-hmm. when they make a point of that, and it's like, yeah, you want to see all those flowers, and you want to see the water, and it's just, you know, I think it was a good call to really push for it. I know it was probably an expensive movie to make. But it looks like it was two, three times more expensive than what they paid.
0: Yeah, I think for the time, because, again, 1951, uh, I believe the, uh, okay, the budget was, like, estimated, like, a million dollars. Mm-hmm. But, again, this is 1951, so that's probably, like, a $30 million movie, yeah. something like that. And, God, Jesus Christ, Avengers like like, $100 million movies. But it's really interesting because when I say the movie looks expensive, mm-hmm. it's because you can't buy that kind of production design. You have to go there. Yeah. And they're not, like, always in, like, an act in the actual, like, river. Like, has, no. There's the- a lot of, like, rear projection you see going on. But there's a lot going into it to make it seem seamless.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, they did, like, the times that the boat sank and they're in the water... They did that on a studio in England, so it's like some of this was shot in England, but the majority of the movie was shot on location in Uganda.
0: Yeah, it it was like a 50-50 split, depending on how you looked at it. I
1: think it it was probably more time on location than it was in studio.
0: It was more time on location for the crew. I don't, like, Hepburn and, because everyone on the crew got, like, massively ill, uh, Uh. except Humphrey Bogart and Sean Houston, because they only drank liquor.
1: Yeah, they. I think they drank, what was it, gin the entire time? and Oh,
0: oh it was scotch whiskey. I, I looked this up and I'm going to be testing out some of the mixed drinks they had on the African Queen.
1: I mean, yeah, you know, that was kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this movie. Because it's not just, you know, the fact that this is a golden age of Hollywood movie and, you know, the production. But the production is such a big part of this because everybody apart from these two got
0: sick. It is and, one of those movies that on paper should have failed based purely on the hell production it had.
1: I think one of the writers of the movie had a major heart attack as he was writing the screenplay to this, so it's kind of like going like back towards the omen, where like these things were happening in production.
0: And also, also, like, the other thing is a lot of the locals just who were hired on as extras, like, refused to show up some days because, like, I don't know if this is actually true, but the rumor that got around was that somebody had told them that, hey, don't go to Mm -hmm. that film set because those people are, like, crazy. They're, like, eating people or some shit. Yeah,
1: I heard that. I heard that they weren't, you know, really discussing with the locals what they were doing. So when they were like shooting off bombs, you know, with the boats and everything, some people thought they were under attack because no one warned them, hey, we're filming and we're going to be doing this kind of scene today. Just want to let you know. So explosions, there's fire. People are thinking, oh my God, are we under attack? You know, what's happening?
0: Yeah, Yeah. And that's like the thing, like the production of the movie does not distinguish its quality. Because the production was horrible. Like, yeah, I said everyone got sick. Catherine Hepburn had, like, a vomit bucket off screen for, like, 80% of her time well, she, on screen. Well,
1: she really, you know, she tried to, you know, fight it off, but it got to her, too. She ended up getting dysentery. Yeah. And it, uh, it was just, you know, you know, yeah, that, that could have killed her. And a lot of people there were just so sick because they were getting sick from, again, water or the food or, you know, the bugs because...
0: It, you're filming in, like, a literal jungle yeah, terrain. Yeah, you,
1: you know, we're not, you know, the people there are not used to the climate there. It's like someone coming here and like, oh my god, it's so hot, or oh my god, it's, you know, so humid, it's so cold. and
0: Yeah, well, the thing is, is, like, the whole filming part of it that just fascinates the hell out of me is, one, yeah, everyone got sick. But also, as they're going through it, and as they're, as the things that are going wrong are happening... It's like, I'm surprised no one died during this. That's
1: that's what my thought was that, you know, they're going to say, oh, someone, you know, again, had a heart attack or, you know, the, the dysentery was just that strong that it took somebody
0: out. Or they actually tried to do the the rapid sequence for real one time and somebody died. I, I know they didn't, thank God. Yeah. Because they built, like, I think it was like an eight-foot um mm-hmm. model and they yeah. sent that down the rapids.
1: Yeah, and I'm like, that's much better than putting, you know, stunt people in there to try to do this and, you know, possibly having fatalities on your hand. But what was interesting was uh, Bogart's wife, Lauren Pacall, she actually came out with him, you know, during the, the making of this movie and she was actually playing nurse to people that were sick on the crew. She was, she had the foresight to bring antibiotics with her. So she was like, oh, you're not feeling well? Okay, let me get you this. Oh, let me take care of you. And I'm like, let's go Lauren Bacall, Have you seen actress, fa- and she's out here being a nurse for everybody. Have you seen
0: background photos of this movie?
1: I think I've seen a couple.
0: They're, they're, I love them because everyone looks, like, so done. They're so oh, tired. Yeah. They all look haggard. They mm-hmm. all look sweaty and nasty. And then you have Lauren Bacall looks like she's at a photo shoot. There's, like, mm-hmm. not a bead of sweat on her face. Like, oh, her hair's mm-hmm. perfect. And I'm like, what are you doing where you're just, like, everything around me just doesn't doesn't matter? Like, I'm just doing wonderfully. And everyone else is because like, she, I just want to die. Because
1: she's Lauren Bacall. <laughs>
0: Ugh. But, but um, but yeah,
1: yeah. I, I thought that was kind of a cool aspect of it that, you know, you have this major Hollywood star that's out there, you know, hey, I'm not in this movie, but let me help you and let me take care of you because, you know, being sick sucks. But being, you know, far from home with, you know, a sickness that you've never had before, that's going to be absolutely brutal and you have to be at work.
0: Oh, yeah. But uh, where to next?
1: Where would you like to go?
0: Well, um, the thing is, is about this movie is that it's it's paced really weird, so it's hard for me to beat down everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could talk about that because okay. the movie is structured really weird, because it's not um it's not like a traditional like rise and fall and action mm-hmm. and beats like that. Because the movie is sold as a um adventure film, I believe. Mm-hmm. But it's not really action-heavy. Mm-hmm. There's not, like, a lot of action in this. Because when I... Because, again, looking at it, you're thinking, is it going to be, like, Indiana Jones? Like, Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark or something. And it's not no. really... It's It really is, like, a romantic comedy.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting to see these two characters be funny. I mean, Catherine Hepburn, she's funny in her movies. Mm-hmm. So it's more seeing, you know, Bogart, who's kind of, you know, this quiet, cool character... So you know, Harry he is pretending to be a hippo and just the two of them laughing and snorting and it's just
0: so weird. So, so weird.
1: But it's infectious. It made me laugh because they're having such a good time and it's like she's like genuinely reacting to his impersonations. So it's like it's kind of nice to see them out of, you know, these roles that we're so used to, you know.
0: Yeah, you know? It's, that's cool. Old Bogart over there.
1: Yeah, so I was like I really liked seeing the, the funnier side of the story, even though they're trying to evade the Germans and get to safety.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where if Casablanca is his most iconic performance, this is him most against type. Yeah. And it's it's just one of those things where uh, watching the movie and, yeah, talking about, like, the pace of it and how it's not really an action-y film. There's not a lot of um, adventure really going on. It's a lot of them having conversation, goofing around on the boat, and things like that. And
1: then what's going to be the next big hurdle? Is it going to be rapids? Is it going to be, there's water getting into the boat? Is it
0: going to be trudging through the swamps? It's stuff like that where, yeah, it's, like, exciting, but it's not, like, action really, because they're no. really shortly, like, done. And also, like, how it's cut together doesn't... I don't want to say doesn't work, because it does work. It just doesn't escalate tension,
1: it's kind of like Jaws, where we have the 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 German ship off in the distance, and it's like, every now and then, we see the shark. Yeah. And then it's gone, and then we have to deal with, you know, just the life, you know, in the jungle. You know, okay, oh, there's alligators now, oh, the the boat's stuck, we're gonna have to get out of the boat and actually pull the boat out of the mud.
0: You know, I think that's it because we're seeing like the dangers of the nature around them, you know, the mud, the animals, the crocodiles, the rapids. But we don't have like a a physical antagonist to I guess rally against, like they're not being chased by the um by the Germans down the river. Mm-hmm. Or they're not running against time to try and catch the um the German boat before it runs off forever and they're not able to blow it up or yeah. to seek a revenge it's it's a thing cuz the ending of the movie which is wild the ending of the movie when we finally get to see a face to the um to like the german menace that's been built up in this movie is ineffectual it's played for comedy and it's i don't know I, and also when he like marries them on the on the boat mm-hmm. and it's like oh the Germans aren't so bad after all.
1: Well, well no, you know, I, I like the scene. They they get um, all nut first. They, yeah. they capture him. And at this point, he think, uh, thinks that Rosie's been washed away to sea. And he's just kind of like, yeah, you know, do with me what you'll do with me. And it, basically to the Germans, it's, you know, you lie, you die. Mm. And it's, you know, we're going to hang you. And then that's when we find out she's been saved And then it's like, well, if you're going to die, I'm going to die. Because this has basically been the mantra of this movie. You know, if you do something, I'm doing something. So he asks, you know, hey, before you kill us, can you marry us? And him begrudgingly, he's like, yeah, yeah. You know, I announce you, man and wife.
0: Proceed with the execution.
1: You you may now hang them. And it's just, you know, it's those comedic bits. And then, you know, of course, the boat gets bombed. And they're just kind of like.
0: The torpedo uh, that they built out of. You know, magic and dreams. So
1: romantic. But I just love that they're kind of like, you know, there's smoke and everyone. They're like, oh, well, we got out of another jam. Let's go. Let's hop in the water and swim away.
0: Oh, And
1: it it just kind of goes with their characters where they just, they kind of roll with it.
0: And he's singing like a jackass.
1: It reminded me of you.
0: So mean. So rude. You sing all the time. So rude. But the ending of the movie... It is the punchline to the joke that the movie's been setting up where it's, oh, it's these two, it's, it's not a will they or won't they, it's a when will they, and the end of the movie is like, oh, they finally got married, and I guess they're about to get hung, and then the torpedo thing happens, and that's like, well, that's a deus ex machina, and then Mm -hmm. it explodes, and they're like, hey, guys, I don't know how that happened, but, hey, we made it, woo! And then you, like, swim off, and then you see, like, the German guy, like, roll up and, like, salute his captain before he drowns. <laughs> and it's like, this is, this is Stick, Yeah. They're, the whole third act is shtick.
1: Yeah, and I like that, you know, it's not a super straight-laced movie. It kind of goes with Rosie's character, where, you know, it's this serious movie in the beginning. And as, you know, time goes on, you know, we kind of loosen up a little bit, and we joy- enjoy the scenery, Enjoy the company of the characters. Just the funny bits that happen in the movie.
0: And and what you say there, you know, it's it's like we are doing the same thing like Rosie's doing. That's why I feel Catherine Hepburn's the lead of the movie. Yeah. And Bogart is like, yeah, he's the male lead of the movie. He's mm. in all of it. But he's he's supporting Hepburn's arc and mm-hmm. her travels and her journey. And does he change because of her? Yeah, but it's mostly like oh, he changed from being a stand-up guy who's a little bit of a drinker to a stand-up guy who now does not drink. Um, well,
1: stand-up guy that, you know, has something to live for. And her, you know, she's lived for God and for helping people, but it's turned into, you know, I could still believe in God and be happy and enjoy life. Because I think if they had been stuck where they were, I think they would have been happy together. They would have made a life of it. They would have been okay. mm but it's just, it's interesting to see, you know, she had a thing that she wanted to do, she got it accomplished, and she got a, a partner out of it.
0: It was a pretty good movie.
1: Yeah, and I, I wasn't sure how you were going to, you know, come out of it. You are going to be like, oh, I liked it, or oh,
0: it was whatever. I mean, are are we at the time where we give our, our final wrap-up thoughts?
1: Uh, I think so. I mean, I had, you know, facts on here. I mean, you kind of... Stole one from me earlier about, you know, the Jungle Cruise.
0: Oh, wait, was that real? No, I I was just memeing because it just reminded me of the Jungle Cruise. Is that shit real? Is this actually based on the Jungle Cruise?
1: Well, no. The Jungle Cruise is actually based on this movie. For real? Yeah, this was one of Walt Disney's favorite movies. And he was actually envious. He said it, I guess, in an interview. He's like, man, I wish I was able to make this movie, but they beat me to it. So part of the ride at Disneyland is based off of The African Queen.
0: That that actually makes sense. I was because the boats look exactly the same. Have you ever been to Disneyland?
1: Yeah, I mean the boats look like that, and you know it's Wait, it.
0: Is is the African Queen one of the boats? The no cruise. No,
1: I did check the the name of the boats. Oh, okay, it's okay. not. I I tried to see if I could pull anything that you know tied it to maybe cast crew. Couldn't really find any tie-ins, but uh, it's tied to Disneyland history. I think one of the boats. From this movie is over in the park in Florida. And then to tie it back to Disney, The Rock's costume in The Jungle Cruise from, you know, a couple years ago is the same costume as Bogie's.
0: I might have to go watch The Jungle Cruise. Yeah, because... I, I really hope it's as good as The African Queen.
1: <laughs> I mean, I heard it's a good movie. It's a fun movie because it's The Rock and it's Emily Blunt, so it's going to be funny. Yeah, it, it,
0: it does not denote if it's going to be a good movie, but it'll be an enjoyable movie. Yeah,
1: it'll be an enjoyable movie. Um... Emily Blunt isn't dressed like Catherine Hepburn's character. She I don't
0: think she could rock the hat. No. Catherine Hepburn has some hat game going on in this movie. She
1: does, but Emily Blunt's costume is more kind of geared towards the skippers that we have on the ride in the park. Mm. So it's interesting to see kind of the two elements being fused together because I mean, you could pull up a picture of The Rock, of The Rock as um his character and it's just like, "Oh my god, that is
0: you're just like striking resemblance. They they could be twins. Bogart, Rock could be twin if they walk into the room together, I couldn't tell them apart.
1: That's very true. But no, I mean it it caught me off guard when we got like the first pictures of the movie when they announced it, and I'm like, that's Bogart's costume. I'm I'm not the only one that sees that, right? Like this is so weird. <laughs> but oh, yeah. that, that
0: is a little weird. But, alright, I, I made that joke. I didn't think it was real.
1: I thought you, that's, you knew. I thought you looked it up and I was like, damn, that was a point that I was going to make.
0: No, just, you watched the movie and you're like, no, that, yeah, the hippos, yeah, that's the part in the, uh, the fucking Jungle Cruise. Yeah, the, like, oh, you're the, going to the thing? Yeah, yeah that's the fucking part the, of the Jungle the, Cruise. The, the
1: alligators or the crocodiles, oh. whichever. I, I never know.
0: That is the African Queen. Yes. <laughs> um. So, I guess uh, your final thoughts on the African Queen
1: it's a really good movie. Um, yeah, you know, it doesn't feel like golden age of Hollywood films. I don't know if it's because we're so stuck with, you know, that time it was a lot of black and white movies. And to see this movie kind of made me think maybe 60s, you know, Technicolor. Just...
0: I I can see where you would get that. I was talking more like the, like the production of it didn't feel like classic Hollywood. Because, hmm. like, it's not like with the wing, because that's Technicolor, but it's like grand production. Yeah. Like, hey, let's put all the money we could find into making this look like... A larger-than-life y- movie. A larger-than-life movie in mid-century, you know, America.
1: And I mean, they accomplish it with this movie because you feel like you're out in the country with them. You don't feel like, yeah, th- this is a sound stage and we're going past the same little bit of, you know, water and trees. It's like, no. You feel like you are alone out there, and you never know when the Germans are gonna strike, or when... Nature is going to get you.
0: Yeah, the movie does have that bit of tension going on through it. Again, it's weird because a lot of the movie I've been talking, or a lot of this episode, I've been talking about how, eh, it just didn't feel right, eh, I didn't like this little aspect, Uh but... Like, overall, I think it's a good movie. It just wasn't my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. I think I think it is good. I think the production alone is probably worth the watch. It's just kind of fascinating to see a movie from 51 look like this.
1: I mean, I'm really interested in finding a copy of Catherine Hepburn's book about the making of this movie. Just to kind of, you know, because we hear the stories, you know, from interviews, but to actually get it from somebody that was there and experienced it, And even though she—that's
0: not John Houston, the legendary bullshit artist. No, and I told everyone they ate—they were eight people during the production. Yeah, Yeah. I mean,
1: it it was just so interesting because you know Bogart from the beginning didn't want to go because he was like, "It's going to be humid. There's mosquitoes. I don't want to deal with this. I'd rather be somewhere where you know." There's AC, and I'm, you know, familiar with it.
0: I'm not going to get eaten by a crocodile.
1: That, too. And Catherine Hepburn was like, you know, I'm excited to do this. And even with the dysentery, she was still one of the last people to leave. I think it was her and Houston were the last two of the crew to leave. Like, the, the uh,
0: Africa. To leave Africa. Uganda, what, the yeah. Congo. Yeah, yeah, I
1: was going to say Uganda, but I was like, yeah, but they were the last two to actually leave. And, you know, it's like... Yeah, you know, with a beautiful location like that and illness, she was still like, I loved it here. I don't want to leave, but I have to.
0: But yeah, but that's, again, my final, like, wrap-up thoughts on The African Queen is, it's a good movie. Uh, I enjoyed watching it, but it just wasn't my, it it wasn't my speed, wasn't Mm -hmm. my cup of tea. I would have preferred if they had like the stakes were a little bit higher. Yeah. Uh if how they played off each other was a little different. I understand that John Huston directed Katherine Hepburn to act a little bit more friendly to Bogart. Mm-hmm. And it might just be a thing cuz again, I only watched the movie the first time yesterday. Yeah. It might be a thing where it probably would grow on me if I watched it a few more times, but first we're on out of the gate. Eh, it's pretty good. Uh, I would recommend it.
1: I mean, that's how you usually are about movies. You have to watch them a couple of times cuz the first time you don't know if you like it, which is kind oh, that's, of...
0: Oh, that's a lie. I oh, watched please. Once Upon a Time in America, and I loved that movie. There's a lot of... Like, the lighthouse... There's a lot of movies I watch for the first time, and I'm like, oh, no, this movie's great. It's movies where it's... Where it's not, like, a, a, a blowout of... A, a, like, blow-my-socks-off experience. And then I have to, like, think about it, and it's like, is this a good movie? I mean, it was, I liked some of it, I didn't like all of it. This was, I liked some of it, I didn't like all of it, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, eh, yeah, okay, I, I would recommend it still. I think this is a good entryway into older Hollywood films, older Hollywood adventure films. This is a pretty, this is probably a pretty good introduction to Katherine Hepburn. Yeah. Because I mentioned Bringing Up Baby a, a, probably like a half hour ago. Yeah. When we were talking about Hepburn. I would not recommend that movie as somebody's introduction to Hepburn. Hmm. Introduction to Cary Grant, maybe. Not Hepburn. This is way more Hepburn speed in this.
1: Philadelphia Story is another good introduction to Catherine Hepburn.
0: But that was The African Queen. It was. Which is not Catherine Hepburn. It is The Boat. Yes. But what are we going to be watching next week?
1: Next week, we're going to be watching a movie that is... Apparently near and dear to Dean's heart, even though he said that he hasn't seen it in, like, ten years. Uh, the Treasure of Sierra Madre.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm just gonna spend the whole time talking about how it ties into Fallout New Vegas. Oh, I... of course
1: you are. Oh,
0: yeah. Um, also, how Treasure of the Sierra Madre, when um, Paul Thomas Anderson was writing There Will Be Blood, mm-hmm. he watched the, the Treasure of Sierra Madre every day as he was writing it. That is. What, so if you ever watch those movies, they tie into each other, like, really tightly, uh, yeah, I like Treasure of Sierra Madre, and, and I have not seen it in many years. <laughs>
1: and this is a movie I've seen pieces of, so it's going to be brand new to me to see it in its entirety.
0: Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I I can't wait. It It is definitely the classic Hollywood, uh, you know, greed story.
1: Which you love. I
0: do. I really do. But where could they go to watch it or listen to it?
1: Well, if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube.
0: You can go to our YouTube channel, The Film Vault. That is The Film Vault on YouTube. Leave a comment, subscribe, like a podcast video that are just slideshows, but maybe not for long.
1: That's right. We have some stuff coming up in the future. But until then, please enjoy our slideshows.
0: And if you wanted to see when we're going to do something new, where can they go?
1: You can find us on Instagram at the Film Club Podcast, where we post trivia, daily stories, upcoming episodes, and just random adventures we go on.
0: And with that,
1: we'll see you next week at the Film Club.
0: Have a good week, everybody.